0: Do you ever kind of not deal with something between you and your spouse, you know, maybe just hoping it'll blow over that it's just a passing issue? And maybe things do kind of keep going, but then later, boom, it comes back to bite you? Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone
1: Gendel. Hey everybody, this is episode number 75, and we're going to be talking about making it a priority in your marriage to talk about issues sooner rather than later.
0: Now, this may come as a surprise to you, Caleb, but I just know that it's in my nature to procrastinate. (laughs) <laughs> in case this is right. Or, you shocked. know, avoid dealing with issues and I just hope that it'll blow over and go away. But it never works like that.
1: No, I think we all kind of are like that.
0: That's good. I'm glad you admitted that.
1: Yeah. But, you know, for anybody, it's a good indicator you haven't been dealing with things is if you if you give or receive way too much emotionality for the issue at hand. Like, do you ever do something you're kind of like, okay, I totally went way over the top on that. Like, what?
0: Oh, well, I did that yesterday. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And... It, that tells you what?
0: Well, see, you're good at pointing this out because I don't see that. Like if I'm emotional about something, I'm upset about that issue. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, you know what? There's a, there's way too much emotion for the just, problem that's actually here. Like issue. it's not that big of an issue. Yeah. But if you never pointed that out, I wouldn't have the foggiest. I would just think that it was the normal reaction. Or that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're often not aware of ourselves, which is where it's really handy having a husband like me who can kind of point out your blind spots, right?
0: <clears throat> what's the next point?
1: <laughs> but we all do this. So
0: yeah, we do. We well, pass I over do.
1: issues rather no, we all do. I do this too, rather than dealing with them. And, you know, even at work, it can be something small. You get way too upset for that right at hand. But what's been going on is something that's been bu- building up for a while, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sort of been collecting behind this temporary dam and then the thing bursts with a relatively small push. Right. So
0: so why do we hold back? Right. Why don't we get it out on the table? And-
1: in our marriages. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So a uh, study from 2004, they looked at decisions to withhold complaints in marriage. Okay. And, you know, these guys, they pointed out, first of all, even in satisfying relationships, there are almost daily irritations with each other. Hmm. Okay. Which is good, you know it just kind of normalizes all of our marriages, that there is this reality that we're two human beings and we're together all the time. Yeah. And even though the couple upholds the principle of open and direct communication, like if you ask, do you guys believe that communication should be open and direct? They're both like, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. There's spouses still frequently hold back on addressing these irritations. So they looked at, you know, they want to try to figure this out. How does this relate to power in the relationship? And what they found is that the spouse who complains the least holds the least amount of power. Hmm. And they're withholding their complaints in order to avoid negative consequences.
0: Right, that makes sense.
1: But at the same time, a spouse who values their relationship is more likely to encourage the expression of complaints. So there's kind of a dynamic going on here, right? Where if you value the relationship and you cherish what's going on, it's like, no, please tell me if something comes up so that I can deal with it.
0: Right, okay.
1: So... But just a a kind of little bit of a sidebar, what's fascinating is that the opposite is true in dating relationships where you're more likely to accommodate displeasurable behavior. Mm. Now that relates to another, if I can sidebar on the sidebar, you you and I have been trying to figure out how people get into abusive relationships. Yeah. Right? And this may be a clue Mm. that when we're dating, we tend to accommodate displeasurable behavior. We minimize it. So that might be one possible way. Huh, interesting. In, yeah, in other cases cuz often I hear people in these situations saying, you know, when I look back, there were early signs. Right. Like usually it gets bad after the marriage. Yeah. But there were signs beforehand. Mhm. So that's just a sidebar on the sidebar. Yeah. So now there's another factor in this withholding complaints or not business, okay? Yeah. Which is the type of relationship. So relationships that are more, you know, the spouses are more independent and they they value their companionship and their closeness, but they also keep their independence. They're okay. more, li- more likely to express their irritations with each other. Okay. Where more traditional relationships, where there's a real emphasis on stability over time and, and more emphasis on sort of stability rather than spontaneity, and they hold more sort of traditional gender roles in their relationship, they tend to report a moderate proportion of unexpressed irritations. So they're less likely to give voice. Okay. It's not devoid of it or completely yeah. absent, but there's less of it. And then a more individuated companionship type where it's, they're just kind of friends and they're maintaining a psychological distance. It's almost sort of the more the roommate marriage in the its extreme form. Yeah. And they really value that individual freedom. They report the highest proportion of unexpressed irritations.
0: Hmm. That's like the opposite of what I would have thought.
1: Because they're distant, they go at each other? Yeah. Yeah, but I think that they- They want to
0: maintain the status quo, I guess. They don't want to-
1: I think that, yeah, up. they have some kind of a pact okay. to just make this room thing work. Okay. Right? Hmm. They're not invested in, in intimacy.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, if you never, like if you always have these little irritations that are coming up, you're never going to get close to the person. Yeah. It's always it's like one more barrier between you.
1: And I don't know which is the the, the, the horse and the cart though, right? Because not the horse and the cart, the chicken, chicken and, the and the egg. egg. Yeah. Because the irritations, are you not mentioning them because you don't want the intimacy? Oh. Right? Okay. So, so you know, these researchers, they didn't put a lot of interpretation on this, but what I did kind of see here is that the more you build a relationship focused on a strong emotional bond
0: mm-hmm. and
1: respecting each other's individuality, the more likely you are to bring things up. Okay. And in, in sort of a little bit of psychobablish language, we talked about differentiation in episode 49, right? Yeah, I was going to
0: say this sounds familiar.
1: Folks, if you haven't heard that episode, it's a great one that's sort of like a, a very conceptual episode, but it's really helpful. So make okay. sure you pick up episode 49. But with that, the subject of differentiation, the more differentiated the relationship, the more likely you are to deal with things sooner. Okay. Because you can hold on to yourself, Right. And I think the quick sort of gist of that is the idea that being securely bonded to each other and yet individuated is a healthy posture for marriage. And in the context of today's discussion, that kind of a spouse knows the marriage is not at risk. Right. And because of that, they can kind of hold on to themselves through the anxiety of pointing out something about their spouse that's
0: upset them. Right. But because they're in this secure bond, they're not scared that it's going to blow it apart. Yes. Mm -hmm. They believe
1: that they can handle it and that the marriage can handle it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then just to go on to some other studies uh, referenced in an article by Daly and Palamores from 2004, they looked at couples avoiding topics, okay? And so a couple, again, a couple of the studies they looked at, they found that the more individuals reported avoiding topics overall, the less satisfied they were with the romantically involved dating relationships. That was a dating relationship, not a marriage. Yeah. But another study by another fellow... Uh, found a negative relationship between topic avoidance and satisfaction in families. In other words, so negative relationships—they always get me. But as as topic, of, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I just doing the bar or the line chart in my head to try to get this right.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: the negative relationship, I believe, is as as the topic avoidance goes down, the satisfaction increases. But if you're less satisfied.
0: So, okay, you as avoid topic topics. avoidance goes down, you're more satisfied. So that means when you address the topics, you're more satisfied.
1: You end up being more satisfied, yeah.
0: Okay, there's but like the, too many negatives in there. I know.
1: But the flip side is people avoid topics because they're unsatisfied. Oh. And those that are satisfied are led to discuss freely. Like they can just, they feel like they can, right? Yeah. So, but I said it like that and, and you know, strictly speaking, my language was pushing the conclusion because they're not really sure about cause and effect. So does dissatisfaction lead to avoidance or does the avoidance lead to the dissatisfaction?
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know.
1: We don't know, but there is a correlation. Yes. That's the point, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I wanted to kind of ask this question. Well, does holding back, you know, does it work? It it doesn't seem like it's a good idea.
0: Okay. I'm not going to hold back here. Yes. And it's kind of irritating me how much you're saying, you know.
1: I'm saying, you know, a lot.
0: Yeah. Like every sentence.
1: Okay. Well, you know what? I'll try and stop that.
0: (laughs) You just did it again.
1: I know. See, I said I know instead of you know, so I'm getting better. Okay. So. uh, Does
0: holding back work?
1: No. Obviously not. Because then you would have to listen to me say, you know, for the next 10 minutes. (laughs) So.
0: And then I would have exploded. Oh, yeah. And the dam would have burst.
1: Well, it kind of feels like maybe it has anyways. (laughs) But So the more you avoid relational concerns, the less satisfied you are relationally.
0: The more you avoid them, the less like Okay, that makes sense. That makes
1: sense, right? Yep. You can't feel intimate if you can't discuss everything. Right. So the closeness between you and I is mediated by the range of topics we're free to discuss with each other.
0: Okay, say that one more time. My brain's going slower than yours. The, the closeness?
1: The closeness between us is mediated by, mediated means sort of like the it's governed by yeah. the range of topics we feel free to discuss with each other.
0: Okay. So, so we're going to be close if we can discuss everything.
1: Yeah. The more you can discuss, the closer you're going to feel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, but the more you limit that, the more you kind of throw a fence line around these untouchable issues. They become bigger and bigger, and that's kind of crowding you out of the park. And so it's less and less that you share together.
0: There's more between you.
1: Yes, that you're not dealing with. Yeah. And, it, you know, there's a biblical principle cited in one of the research articles we looked at. It's a verse from Ephesians 4 and 27 that says, Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And this is often cited in Christian circles as the need for couples to deal with things before the end of the day, which is true if you can. But
0: Uh, yeah, the only caveat there would be like me at the end of the day, overtired is like over emotional. So it works better for us to say, okay, let's put that down here, put that on the table and let's talk about it in the morning.
1: Right. And, and that's true enough, but it's the point is to not let it go on and on.
0: Yes. Which ties into
1: what we're saying, right? Yeah. But confirmation bias, I think, kind of plays in here too, which is the tendency to look for information in a way that confirms our own preconceptions. So mm-hmm. if something happens, I decide you're angry at me. You put my cup of coffee on the table in the morning; it splashes, and I think, boy, she's really ticked off. She just slammed that baby right on the table, and she doesn't even care, right? And you may have just stumbled or kicked the table leg as you came up to it, right? Yeah. But the confirmation bias interprets it to to reinforce my belief that you're angry, right? Oh, okay. So this is how in a marriage we start with a small issue and then we begin to build a really big case on it because we add it's all this other evidence.
0: evidence. Huh. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
1: But I think the question that comes in here for Linda is, how am I doing on saying you know all the time, by the way?
0: I think you've cut it out completely. Okay. Quite impressive. Yeah. See, we just eradicated that whole issue.
1: Well, I think, you know, with dealing with it, it so forcefully. You
0: just said it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was going to say you developed a phobia now. I'll never say it again. Okay. So the question here is, what do you let go versus what do you address?
0: Right. Okay.
1: So is it really worth, you know, blasting your husband in front of thousands of (laughs) listeners about the way he says, you know, all the time?
0: It was because it's just going to be such a better podcast without you saying it.
1: (laughs) So, so, you know, Verlinda, there's... You
0: just said it again. I know.
1: I said that to tick you off. There's a balance here between... It worked. There's a balance here between high expectations and healthy tolerance for each other's humanity. Okay, so you have a high expectation that I won't say that anymore. But I think it'd be nice if you tolerated my humanity, because what we need to do with our spouses, what?
0: I'm just wondering where you're going with this.
1: Okay, well, I'm actually trying to make a practical point here.
0: We'll keep going. So, because you know, I'd like to hear it.
1: Okay, so I'm about to use the word militant, which is ironic. <laughs> What my point is, is that we don't need to be militant about dealing with everything that might be wrong with our spouse. Yeah. But at the same time, we don't want to sort of build, you know, build the dam water up too high or, you know, widen that fence and really sort of make a huge area of things that we're not talking about. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So this kind of leads us into the discussion about expectations, which is what do you expect from your marriage or what's reasonable of your spouse? And there's actually two conflicting viewpoints on this one is one piece of research says that marriages can become dysfunctional if the spouses have too high expectations and if you stop and think about that that kind of makes sense. sense right yeah but other research shows that couples who hold very high expectations for their marriage they generally scored higher on every index of positive marital outcomes so they wanted a lot from their marriage and they got it and they're very happy with it
0: yeah but maybe it's like whether your expectations are realistic or not
1: absolutely yeah.
0: Because I think high expectations are good. Like, what do they say? If you if you don't, if you aim for nothing, you achieve it or yes. something like that, yeah, right?
1: Absolutely. If you aim for nothing, you'll achieve it. I agree.
0: But if you aim for like, I don't know.
1: Impossible standards. Yeah. Yeah. So reasonable plays into this too, but it's, you know, you don't move towards what you want with your spouse unless you're going to ask your spouse for it, which means you're confronting. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So so Gottman, Swanson and married they decided to look at newlyweds, right? And this Gottman, he's really big on repair, which is fixing up things yeah. after a fight. So he's looking to support this idea that having high expectations means you're always willing and ready to fix things up and that you're not willing to adapt to negativity. Like you're not just going to put up with it. You're going to deal with it. It's going to, it may get messy, but you're going to fix it. Yeah. You're going to repair. Okay. And their study results suggest that couples need to fix problems quickly And detect even small issues. So you're kind of constantly touching on things, right? Yeah. So their recommendation is not to let things ride and not to let them have a chance to build up, Hmm. which I think is good. It still kind of leaves you wondering, though, what do you need to deal with versus just let go? And what they felt is that having a lower tolerance for negativity was better. So that's being, you know, I'm not going to tolerate your little whatevers. We're going to deal with them as we go. They felt that that was better and it was better to be more sensitive just so that things didn't have a chance to build up and escalate. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, you know, if if you think about having a lower tolerance for negativity, you can say, well, he wants us to be picky, right? And you could see it that way, but he's really saying that lower tolerance, you know, rather than calling it pickiness, if that looks like we're going to stay kind of fresh and clean with each other on, on what's bugging us. Mm -hmm. then we're not going to build up these big frustrations so that when it comes time to sort it out, it's like a laundry list of complaints. And it's so huge. It's like, where do you even begin?
0: So is this like relational issues or is this just anything about you that bugs me?
1: I don't know. What do you think it should be?
0: Well, I don't know. Like, we brush our teeth so differently, for example. <laughs> you know, like, does that really matter? Is that something that you need to change about me? Oh, I see. For our relationship to, for our marital satisfaction to be increased? Or is this like things that I do that affect you?
1: Oh, I see. I think it has to be things that affect you because, you know, we can brush our teeth differently, but if you brush in your teeth looks like, you know, you, you don't stand over the sink, you go beside the sink and you're and like, make a mess, you're dripping or... toothpaste on the counter and you leave it there. Yeah. And that's where I put my towel you know, to dry off after I shave, then that's going to be an irritation every single day.
0: Right. Right.
1: And and it needs to be dealt with. But if we just have different styles of brushing teeth, it has no impact. Who cares? Right. Right. And okay. that's where we honor our differences.
0: Yeah. Because I don't want to change you to be, like, I still want you to be you.
1: Yes. But this is part of the differentiation thing, right? Which says, I'm okay with you being you and me being me. But when it when it touches me and it, you know, there's some kind of a negativity associated with it, then it's like, we got to talk about this.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Got it. No, that's good. So I think the conclusion from all of this is it's a lot easier to sort of an issue between the two of us when it's really fresh and it's well-defined. It hasn't snowballed with other issues into something much, much bigger. Yeah. So holding back does not work, which is kind of where we're going with this, right? We do need to talk about it sooner. Yes. Right. Right. And, and dealing with those issues sooner rather than later and letting your spouse know that you're going to try something different too. Right. So if, sorry, I'm kind of shifting gears here. What I'm saying is how do we bring this into our marriage? Right. So if I've been letting stuff go with you for a long time and I just listened to Caleb's podcast and Verlinda's podcast about dealing with issues sooner rather than later. You can't just go home and start hammering your spouse and everything. <laughs> Here's
0: a list of stuff that <laughs> irritates me, honey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I rank them in order for you. Just start at number one. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, that's not you going to You have three weeks. Yeah. So The dam will burst.
1: Yeah. I mean, so so how does, I'm thinking like, how does a person actually make this change in their marriage?
0: Okay. Yeah. And how do they?
1: I think that you've got to say, you know what? I've realized that I've been letting things go and sometimes I just I blow up on you because I'm not sort of dealing with talking to you about things sooner rather than later.
0: Daily maintenance.
1: Yeah. So we're going to, rather than exploding on you and overwhelming you,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm going to try just being more upfront with you more regularly in a way that's loving and kind and gentle, but still kind of deals with what we need to talk about. Yep. Is that okay? Yep. So it's just being honest with each other about what's going to change, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I know there's some of our audience probably going, how do I ever catch up on this? And they've got the dam built up with all the water behind it. And it's kind of creaking and shaking and right. And the pressure's on. Or there's this big area of cordoned off topics that we can't touch, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's where I think, you know what? If you have got that and you don't know how to let that go without the whole thing going at once,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's where you need to reach out and get help.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it can be big, like it can be overwhelming.
1: Yes. And I offer coaching and counseling for that. So please reach out if I can help you. I'd love to be able to do that. If it's not so big and you're looking to do some work on your own, you feel you can handle this. We've got a worksheet that I put together using some research-based methods and advice. And the worksheet will help you to break down the issue and understand why you need to discuss what you need to discuss, as well as helping you to prepare for that discussion. So if you'd like to receive a link to download this PDF worksheet, just text the word podcast to 9292spouse. That's a phone number. You can just type that whole word into your phone. Message and data rates may apply. But to get this worksheet, just text the word podcast to 9292spouse, and we will send you a link to that file. And what we go through in the worksheet is just helping you to break down what your concern is into its key parts. It'll help you to calm down, understand more of what went on. And then hmm. as you as you know this, you can get all the facts straight. But when you come to discussing it, you'll realize... Sorry, I'm getting my words all backwards. Like, you know what you need to talk about, right? Yeah. And then as you come to discuss it, you'll realize you're not emotionally prepared. So, what the worksheet does, it helps you take like three steps back to really sort of emotionally prepare you as well as gather the facts of what went on. Got it. That was kind of
0: complicated. That was wasn't very it? complicated. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hopefully, the worksheet's not as complicated.
1: Yeah. So, having these discussions and making them a useful, healthy effort requires us to hold on to certain virtues, such as such as so these these kind of personal strengths. We need these to do these discussions well. And I just want to touch them really simple. One is non-defensive listening, right? And this is a skill that helps you to focus your attention on what the other person is saying and really try to understand it. Okay. And sometimes we're good at this and sometimes we fail at this. So I had to fail at this at the start of the week. <laughs> but it's where like, rather than interrupting and kind of solving, you just really... Refraining from that and refraining from being preoccupied with your own defense, but holding on to that virtue of self-control and really allowing your spouse to feel heard. That's what this non-defensive listening is about. part. Yeah. And in addition to that, the active listening, which goes with it. So your listening is active so that you're nodding, you're, you're making eye contact, you're, you're grunting, you're summarizing your spouse's statements, you're validating these types of things. So it's really sending the signal back that what she, he or she has to say is valid and worth acknowledging. Right. So,
0: don't just steamroll over them with a perfect solution.
1: No, yeah. Yeah, moving right along. So, <laughs> it's self control, but there's also generosity because you're giving your spouse a platform. Oh. And you're saying, I'll pay attention while you're up there. Yeah. So, it's not only important to talk about things sooner, but to learn to do so well. And that's why we give so much education on our show about communication skills. We've even created a course. Called Talk to Me 101 specifically to help couples learn how to communicate more effectively. And if you want to learn more about that course and get the PDF worksheet that we've talked about to help you prepare for these conversations, just uh, shoot us a text message on your phone with the word podcast to 9292spouse. We'll get you that information.
0: But before we go. Yes. We had an awesome review on iTunes again this week saying, who doesn't want a weekly reminder to invest in their marriage? Five-star review by... Would you like to pronounce the name?
1: Um, McCoholeth, I think. Sure. From Canada.
0: And he says, he, maybe she, I've been a loyal listener to this podcast since day one. In addition to the excellent content Caleb and Verlinda serve up, just receiving a new episode on marriage every week gives me a helpful reminder to invest in my marriage. But of course, this podcast offers much more than a work on your marriage weekly reminder, because it also gives you tools and tips on how to do so. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for leaving that review. Really appreciate it. It's great. So next week we're talking about the importance of marriage and asking the question, should anything be more important than your marriage?
0: Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, it's a
1: pretty interesting question. And you may be surprised with our conclusions from the research we'll be sharing. Look forward to it. Uh So that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyflink slash 75.
0: And remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate marriages. So if this was helpful to you, we'd love it if you could help us spread the word and share this with others who would also be blessed by it. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.